0: Aero, your aviation destination. Historic Aviation. Hello and welcome to the Fly Pass Podcast. I'm Hans from Kiero, and who have we got with us today? We've got Tara Leggett, Assistant Editor of Historic Aviation on Kiero. Hello, Tara. Hello, Hans. And Tom Haynes, Assistant Editor for Commercial Aviation back Tom back for your second appearance this this must feel amazing this must (laughs) how did you feel when you got the call (laughs)
1: well the same way I I the first time elated
2: yes
0: (laughs) 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 I can imagine I can absolutely imagine um well yeah welcome back good to good to have you back I just say that um last week as you know I um recorded this podcast in the cockpit of um vulcan this i mean we're not going to address this live
2: on air i can't i can't use words it feels
0: like it feels like a bit of a come down doing it in um in my spare (laughs) room now i mean you know that's (laughs) you know no offense (laughs) you know there's something quite cool about doing um there's something quite cool you know uh, in thrilling and slightly pointless about doing a
1: podcast on location somewhere (laughs) that no one can see Well, you know, I it, it sounded different. It had a different sound, you, and and it had the, the Vulcan
2: you, sound.
1: It, it just <laughs> you, you could just feel that it was recorded inside a Vulcan. Well, probably yeah, yeah. It, was, um, it
2: was. It was it was just a premium sound. That's why, because everybody knows it's the premium aircraft, so it's a premium a sound. Bit. For those for <laughs> those tuning in.
0: Um, for those tuning in perhaps for the first time who don't realise that Tara is obsessed with the Vulcan although to be fair in your job I think it's quite good it's quite a good thing to be obsessed with isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's worse. I could be obsessed with like commercial aviation and be like hiding in Tom's like corner, just like I hate you. I want to do all your work. <laughs> so yeah, no, I think I think I'm on the right side of. of
0: yeah, the... well, uh, so how is everyone generally? Everyone, um, as we as we sort of, you know, as we are now, well on the roadmap out
1: of lockdown kind of thing.
0: How was everyone feeling? Mm, Can't excited.
1: Excited! I think uh, it'll be nice to leave the house every now and again, and uh, maybe get on location and film bits, record bits, write <laughs> oh, bits yeah. about about seeing a real aeroplane in life in in real life. Would, where, um, should
0: we, um, where should we Where uh, should we treat ourselves to uh, the first on location recording of the podcast when we when we're allowed <laughs> oh. to do it like, properly? Hmm, that's a good question. The pub. <laughs> I think we should do it in the. I think we should do it at the Eagle in Cambridge. Oh yeah. that is like that is the historic aviation pub that That is is. like that is a cool place i'm pretty sure you know i think it would add to the sort of theater if there was like glasses clinking in the background etc etc
2: this is true we could just like you know overlay yeah overlay (laughs) the murmur of like conversation in the background so it sounds like we're a lot more you know uh involved <laughs> we'll probably be there at nine in the morning when it's not even open so we'll
0: sound, sound like
2: we're there at like 11 o'clock at night or something
0: yeah. straight on the gin um <laughs> yeah how about before we start talking about what we're actually going to talk about i just thought i don't know whether i've told you but um we've got some uh, got some feedback got some um, stats about the fly Pass podcast
1: oh really share them with you Please
0: share. 10th most popular aviation podcast in holland
2: and of course, it would be. Is it really
0: eleventh, <laughs> most popular aviation podcast in Norway?
2: This is see all these Nordic big and Scandinavian big sort big of countries. Shout yeah. the, uh,
0: the Nordic homelands there.
2: I'm I'm saying it's all down to you, Hans. I mean, let's be honest, Hans Seberg. They see that and they're right at home.
0: Well, I think the Norwegian. It's a very Norwegian name, to be fair. Mm. Um, so um, they would probably sort of, you know, I think they would, a Norwegian would look at that name and sort of think, yeah, he's. He's probably not from Stourbridge originally, kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, anyway, anyway, so that's just a little bit of feedback. So it's going well. Thank you know. So th- thank you for keep tuning in, everybody. Um, especially in Holland, in and Norway,
2: no- to- Norwegian, Norwegian, Norwegian. Norwegian.
0: <laughs> I will. I will say thank you, Norwegian. Tuck. There we ah, go. I'm not go. even going to have an attempt to say Literally that. Literally translated as, as um, a thousand thanks. Actually, ah, there we that's go. quite nice, isn't it? It is. Ah. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a very lovely language, actually um i won't um.
2: pretend i know anything about geography as we all know i thought glasgow was called glasweger for a while so (laughs)
0: okay Okay. let's moving on um (laughs) (laughs) so we thought didn't we we thought it would be quite fun to talk about um historic aviation mysteries um this week i i think tara in many ways i think this is the podcast you were born to appear on
2: i've been so when did I join Key in July last July, year? was July, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I have been aching to do some sort of, you know, conversation or feature or something about aviation mysteries. I am obsessed with air crash investigation, which is pretty, you know, grim. But at the same time, I love it. So
0: there's and, and historic aviation does have, you know, it does so have plenty, much. plenty of, um, you know, quite, um, quite in, in, intriguing tales. You, are you that, by the way, though, are you, that person, if you go on holiday that you do mention that you've kind of, like you mentioned that program, don't you, just as you're about to take off to whoever you're sitting next to you're that yeah, person, aren't you?
2: I am. I scared an 80 year old once I was sitting, having, sit having breakfast in a, uh, in an airport and was just casually chatting about, you know, oh, air crash investigation got very, very quickly told to shut my mouth uh, because we were about to to board a 10-hour flight to uh, Jamaica, so...
0: But there is something, you know, but there is something about, you know, even if you're a comfortable, you know, i, I you know, perfectly fine with, um, with um, flying. Um, but there's sometimes, you know, like if you're on a, you know, a kind of a long flight and you're flying over like the Atlantic or the Pacific or something like that. And I sometimes yeah. I look out the window and, you know, you just see this sort of vast expanse of ocean. I look down and I kind of think.
2: Do you know what I think's well, is
0: worse? Because there's, there's, there's monsters in the sea. Yeah, and I well, sort of feel like it, it's a bit kind of, you know, you don't want to be, you know.
2: What I think's worse is when you can see. So like when you go on a long haul flight, obviously more than a short haul, you can see the map in the back of your, in like the TV, in the, mm. the back of the headsets. And you can go on to like the map. And when you are just about to fly over the Bermuda Triangle, it's a bit like, oh, crap like you do not want to be doing that um if you're a nervous flyer
0: well we'll come on to the bermuda Bermuda triangle in in a little while i'm sure but um let's let's um let's talk a few about a few um these famous stories uh tom you wrote um you wrote about uh one very famous um historic aviation mystery on chiaro um a couple of months ago didn't you
1: Yes, yes, it was. It was the story of um D. B. Cooper. Um it's sort of the this, the this only sort amazing, of unsolved <laughs> Yeah, it's the only unsolved case of sort of air piracy in commercial aviation history. And it's uh mad. it's it's a bit of an odd one, really. Um it's sort of nineteen seventy-one, sort of Thanksgiving nineteen seventy-one. Um, this guy going under the name. D.B. Cooper or also Dan Cooper. I think there was sort of a variation of um, of that. Sounds, name. He managed- sounds like a regular guy. <laughs> yeah, regular guy. He regular definitely John was. Um, he managed successfully to extort um, 200 grand out of um, an airline. It was Northwest Orient Airlines. I managed to get 200 grand out of them. And then escape by parachuting from a Boeing 727.
2: <laughs> so James Bond. <laughs> I know we shouldn't be glorifying it, but that is so I'd James also Bond. So just say
1: as well,
0: like um, <laughs> it, it sort of like reminds me, like uh, it's like that thing in Austin Powers that time where he goes, we're going to go for one million dollars, and he kind of like says, don't you think mean one billion? Like to go for all that effort for like two hundred grand seems like <laughs> a bit of a faff to me. I would have probably added a naught.
1: Yeah, I mean, we are talking 1971, so I'm not sure what that would um. Convert. Even accounting to. for
0: inflation, I think, he, I, <laughs> I, 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 honestly.
1: I think the, the planning that must have gone into it. But anyway, carry on. No, it was um, – and then a 45-year a, a sort of FBI investigation obviously um, preceded that and um, sort of 60 volumes of, of documents. And despite this, I mean, there's no um, definitive really conclusions about who um, Cooper is or, and they've never really um caught him. They have found um a a couple of the banknotes that they gave to him. Um well, so
2: he spent the money basically.
1: Well, He's they had they a grand old of, time. They were in sort of a a riverbed or they were sort of they washed up on the side of like oh. a riverbed. Um Maybe he died. They don't know. They don't know whether they, they've not found a body if he if he failed obviously. Um which you'd expect that they would if if he'd obviously died i don't
2: know with some of the with some of the other mysterious stories we're going to talk about tom you wouldn't necessarily (laughs) expect
0: well hang on on. can you just um refresh my memory of a few of the details of this Mm. and so so he's hijacked a plane so how how was like the money handed over talk about some of the 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 details because that's the that's presumably the, quite the difficult bit to do, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it definitely was a very well thought through operation, really. So so the, the, he was described as a middle-aged man carrying a black briefcase, um, is how he was described. He approached the ticket counter, and this is sort of 1971. So he was able to buy a one-way ticket on Flight 305, which was connecting, uh, what was it, Portland International Airport in Oregon uh, with Seattle Tacoma, obviously in, in Washington State. Um, and, uh, yeah, he managed to sort of board the aircraft. Um, They don't know exactly which seat he was sat in, but they know it was either 18C, 18E, or 15D, and they obviously didn't have seat reservations back then um, and it was towards the sort of the rear of the passenger cabin and uh, before takeoff crucially he ordered a drink which was apparently a, a bourbon and soda Dutch courage well, I wouldn't have gone for that <laughs> no I wouldn't have I wouldn't but yeah it needs a bit of courage doesn't it I suppose if he's if about to what he's about the
2: plane to, with 200 grand
1: for what he's about to do yeah and um, so it, it departed approximately sort of one third full there was about 30, 30 about 35 passengers on it and uh it uh yeah. He he then handed the uh, cabin crew a note, um shortly after takeoff, uh, written in all capital letters saying that he had a bomb <laughs> in his briefcase. And then um yeah, and then obviously the flight attendant then looked in his bag and was like, oh, yeah, there, that looks like a bomb. <laughs> um, and then um, and then he obviously then stated his demands. Um, and he, I think the quote was it needed 200 grand in, quote, negotiable American currency, which is very precise. So
2: something that he could, like, change or what's, like...
1: I'm, I'm not really sure. They gave it to him in dollars, apparently. And then he also demanded four parachutes, which seems a bit odd. Can I just of-
2: ask, why... On a plane, were they carrying 200 grand anyway? Like, where did they magic this money from?
1: Oh, so this is the crucial part. So they didn't have it. So um, ah. he he demanded this uh, with four parachutes, and he wanted a refueling vehicle to refuel the aircraft in Seattle upon arrival. So ah. they then landed in Seattle, um, and obviously the aircraft was met by the FBI and all the police and everything. And um, and then obviously they then authorized the transaction. They got the 200 grand in cash. And the four parachutes for one person, which seems. And also, odd.
0: hang on, just to just that—that's also not just to sort of. Well, I suppose for the FBI, it's quite easy to maybe to get 200 grand in cash. They probably sort of got that sort of down the back of the sofa. But, you know, like, um be awkward, wouldn't it? You know, if they could only get 250 quid a day out, if it was capped, like your current account, everyone would have to be waiting there for ages. Be Especially awkward. in 1970,
2: Sorry. it's not like there's much, like, leeway to be able to do, like, no. online banking. And... No,
0: no, quite
1: exactly. Pre-internet, properly pre-internet. Bitcoin. So, <laughs> so they, they, yeah, they then landed, landed at Seattle. They obviously organised all of this logistical stuff stuff it was met um by a refueling truck they got the money they got the parachutes um it was it was parked on a brightly lit section of the apron um and then um, the items were handed over to cooper and uh, he then obviously subsequently ordered all the passengers and both flight attendants to leave the aircraft um so he was nice he let the passengers off and everything
2: oh Um, despite his bomb Never mind. Despite
1: the bomb, despite the he's bomb, he's a lovely but- man. <laughs> misunderstood, <laughs> very misunderstood. So then the the aircraft was then refueled, and then the hija- well, DB Cooper then outlined his plan for the next flight, and he he asked them to sort of head southeast after departure towards Mexico City. At a, and this is the crucial part, at the minimum possible airspeed for the aircraft, around hundred hundred and something knots, and then at a maximum altitude of 10,000 feet. So it was He'd quite clear. What he done his
2: research. Yeah, he's it was done his research. It's a
1: jumping window, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's, it makes he sense. He
2: didn't want to get sucked into those engines. He knew what was going on.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then um, he um, he then wanted the rear stairs. So the 727, or the earlier versions of 727, had rear um stairs that sort of dropped out the, the tail section, um which is quite convenient for a parachute jump. Um and then um so he'd obviously pick the right aircraft um because he would never have been able to get out of a seven oh seven for example because I was gonna the, say the awkward moment are... when they
2: changed the uh changed the plane to a seven oh seven last minute.
1: <laughs> yeah and then he can't get out because the 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 doors in a set, they're like plug doors. So the only way to get yeah. them out is by depressurizing the aircraft. It's a bit of a more technical sort of <laughs> Um, frustration than having rear stairs Um, and then obviously it then took to the sky again from Seattle heading southeast towards Mexico City and there was five people on board two pilots, a flight attendant and a flight engineer and then uh, it was also trailed by military aircraft as well but um, it was dark because it was about 8pm and that was about about 8pm a warning light apparently flashed on the cockpit indicating that the air stairs had been activated Um, and because they didn't have GPS back then they didn't know exactly where they were when that happened.
2: And so can I ask did was, was he the only was he just sitting on his own in Yeah. the oh okay in the cabin.
1: Yeah, and then when oh. he then he went then he instructed the flight attendant to go and sit in the cockpit with everybody else. And then shortly after that they had the air stairs warning light come on. Um and then in that window um he then obviously jumped from the aircraft, but because they didn't have GPS, they they couldn't and they didn't know exactly where the flight path of the aircraft was. They they couldn't be very precise about where exactly the aircraft was at the specific time that um, they think he jumped. So that made searching for him and the money uh, quite they must difficult. Have known roughly. They must have known roughly. <laughs> yeah, they had quite a, they had had a rough area. Especially if they've got military jets following them. Yeah, they had a rough area. But because the time period, they don't know exactly when he jumped. The aircraft obviously travelled. Quite far in that period. So, yeah, you know, they've apparently the only evidence they've got, physical evidence they've got in the 45 years that they've been investigating it, is there's only two confirmed pieces of evidence. And the first is a placard printed um, with instructions on how to lower the aft. Air stairs. So the placard would have been somewhere in the aircraft um, instructing you how to lower the air stairs. And then the second piece of evidence is um, some disintegrated banknotes with the correct serial numbers on them. So those are the only two things, really.
0: Surely See- some sort of circumstantial evidence of um, people seeing a man walking around um, untangling a parachute from himself with a big bag full of money, you know, would uh, <laughs> have. <laughs> that's where you start, surely.
2: I suppose yeah, if I he mean, landed in the jungle or woods or yeah, something. Rough,
0: yeah. So you say they know, they know roughly where he jumped out. So roughly speaking, where was that?
1: Um, so um, it, I'm not entirely sure, but I know they um, they managed to find some banknotes um, sort of nine miles downstream of Vancouver, Washington. So it took so off it's not like he was in. Yeah, okay. So it's
0: not like he was in the Amazon or anything. I mean, you know... Yeah. It's, 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 do you know what it is? I suppose there are a lot of crimes, aren't there? You know that were so much easier to commit before. You know there was. You know not only the DNA, but you know when, you know computers essentially and technology mm. have made it. I think even just helped.
2: learning from those those crimes as well. You know, like learning from things like nine eleven. Before that happened, you could go in the cockpit. Mm. So twenty, thirty years before that happened, what they could would you do? Oh, I remember, I remember
0: you going on holiday as a, as a, as a kid and kind of like, you know, being, you know, sitting in the, sitting in the co-pilot seat in the, in, in the plane. And you know, when you got on, you just, just sort of ask the, um, you know, the, the flight attendant, you know, that your mum would sort of like, or dad would ask, oh, can, can they go and have mm-hmm. a little look in the cockpit? Yeah, come on. And they just check with the pilot and then you'd sort of go in and have a little look around and sort oh, of like a press around, a few yeah. buttons. Happen now, does it? Oh absolutely not. And So Tom, um,
2: the the like flight crew and all that sort of stuff, did they manage to land safely and they were all good? Or did, did...
1: Yeah, the aircraft landed safely. Um and That's so weird. That was it and the, and what what made it difficult was Um, the DB Cooper asked the flight attendant who was in the cabin with him to go into the flight deck before he jumped. So no one actually saw him jump. The military jets didn't see anybody jump. No one saw anything. And I think the the FBI investigation, it ran from 1971 all the way through to 2016. They they had, it it was open Um, and they processed more than a thousand serious suspects in inverted commas so a thousand people were actually serious suspects for this 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 case and none of them could be linked at all to the hijacking by any anything more than sort of circumstantial evidence basically
2: i mean considering the the fact that they said you know he was a middle-aged man or whatever that would sort of put him in sort of Especially 2016, the the age where you know people start passing away or whatever. Can you just imagine lying on your death? I am DB Cooper, like.
0: <laughs>
1: I say, can <laughs> well, I just say Tara, actually- There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with being a middle-aged man. No, I'm not saying. <laughs> no, they did actually. Honestly, yeah, they did actually have a couple of people um, who claimed to be DB Cooper, sort of on their deathbed. They were. Oh, that's they, incredible. They're saying that they were DB Cooper, but um, yeah. And just a bit of trivia about the aircraft, if we if we've got time, because I do love yes, a bit of do. trivia. <laughs> um, it, uh, so it was it operated by North Orient Airlines, and then it was purchased by Piedmont Airlines in 1978, and then uh, and then subsequently by United Technologies, uh, which uh, which had a division called Flight Dynamics, who were making heads up displays. Um, um. So in the end. The aircraft that was so famous for the hijacking was actually ended up uh, being a test platform for heads up display technology, which was quite cool. And then it was eventually scrapped in uh, 1996.
0: Can I? um, Well, that is very interesting. Can I also just say thank you very much for being such a considerate guest and um, doing a time check? That's that's very nice of you, um, you know. So uh, we that is, I mean, that is an amazing story, isn't it? Um, that's just we it's could, just mad. We could talk, we could talk about that. But Tara, I bet you've got a story as well, haven't you? I
2: mean, yeah, I have. There's not quite so much known about the story that you know I I came across, um, because there's been literally no evidence found whatsoever as to what could have happened. Um, That means we we can
0: idly speculate. this is (laughs) true.
2: I have had my moments where I've sat there and I've been like, could that have been the reason? Um, So basically in 1956 on the 10th of March, I mean, it's quite a well-known story really. um, There were three or four, I can't remember which, but uh, B-47 stratojets that took off um, from I believe Tampa in Florida, um, and were on their way to Morocco. So, obviously, they had to pass over many oceans. I'm not going to pretend I know which ones because I don't. Uh, Mediterranean at some point. Um, and so, they had to refuel a couple of times, obviously. And they were descending. Uh, they Obviously, they went through their refuel... A couple of times without an incident. And then when they were descending over the Mediterranean Ocean to start their second refueling, they were at about 14,000 feet when B 47 serial number 52534 failed to make any contact whatsoever. And obviously, it was a group, there was a group, it wasn't just him, it wasn't just this one aircraft. Um, So They had only known basically before they took off, they had only known about 10, 15 minutes before they took off, but it turned out that they were carrying a nuclear bomb or two nuclear bombs, I think, uh, or reactor cores as well. Um, And basically, since this second checking in on March the 10th, 1956, just before they were about to refuel um, over the Mediterranean Sea, there's been absolutely nothing found about this B47 strategy and
1: and the nuclear
0: <laughs> bombs and one would assume and more
2: importantly yeah
0: <laughs> slightly the two, more worrying aspect of this
2: <laughs> exactly and um, more importantly the two nuclear weapons that it was carrying um obviously there's a load of speculation as to how what could it be because the strategy was uh, sort of notorious in its sort of earlier years for just essentially disintegrating sometimes, um, in mid flight. Um, it had a really, uh, small margin between maximum speed, which I think was about 550 miles an hour and stall speed. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was like a margin of like 10 or some miles per hour. It was stupid. Um, so it always, always had to be, there was no autopilot. It always had to be, manually controlled. So, there could be pilot error, there could be, you know, uh, politics of the time because France had Morocco and, you know, the United States and the Soviets and all the sort of Cold War tensions were building up and it could, there could have been all that. But then again, you would have, if they'd have shot one down, you know, you'd have probably seen the nuclear sort of situation going on above the, above the sea. So, people just have no no idea there's been no evidence whatsoever
0: that is usually this this there's, there's there's something isn't it i think we're just so used to like with any kind of mystery we're just so used to things being solved aren't we anything that happens now we're just used to there's 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 just an answer um,
2: yeah i mean it's yeah, a bit like always. tom like tom like yours at least like nobody's necessarily found the answer but at least there was like two little pieces of evidence but quite possibly one of the like most important weapons that we as a world are ever going to make two of those going missing i think that's without a trace i think that's actually quite scary you know
1: there, um,
0: yeah but then i suppose because the, the the other one that i'm sort of quite sort of fascinated uh, with is that flight 19 mm. story um which is another, another quite sort of um you know famous one just to refresh your memory if you're not uh, if you're not up on flight 19 tom as as a commercial aviation expert you may not be this is this is um going back to early december 1945 so i'll just refresh your memory a little bit um, i can't quite she remember got- that far back <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly well uh, allow me to help you um she got like um five tbm avengers right they're going off on this kind of um little kind of training flight right uh, together. Um, so yeah, collectively it's called flight 19, right? So you've got a very experienced, uh, pilot, you know, like Lieutenant leading it, this guy, Lieutenant Charles Taylor. So he was a kind of, he'd, you know, flown loads of missions in, you know, world war two, uh, you know, Pacific theater kind of thing. So, um, They 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 take off from like Fort Lauderdale. Um, again, it's around that we're in that kind of territory and that Bermuda Triangle territory. (laughs) I did say it was going to come up in conversation later. Here it comes. So anyway, they're going to go and drop their practice bombs, whatever. Turn north to kind of like do the second leg of the journey, and then the idea was they were going to go back to you know Fort Lauderdale, and then something strange happened. I feel like I'm supposed to be saying that in that Gosh. voice, you know, like, um, you know, like the air flight investigation and then something <laughs> strange. Um, so basically he, uh, so he then starts complaining that um, his compass is malfunctioning and um, and that these he thinks they're kind of like going in the wrong direction. And then, and then a weather front comes in. So then there's kind of, you know, gusting winds and heavy clouds and it's all sort of starting to go very wrong the whole, you know, the five planes are starting to get, you know, hopelessly disorientating. they don't know where they are. And then, um, they um, there was a, like a navy flight instructor who kind of like um over overhears their um sort of radio communications and um informs like the air station of the situation, contacts them to see if they need assistance, and then Taylor's kind of like complain that his compasses are out and doesn't know where you know he thinks he's over the Florida Keys, but he wasn't over the Florida Keys, um, and he doesn't know exactly where you know he'd only just been in the Bahamas, doesn't know where where he is. So apparently what they used to say to pilots was that if you were lost, you point your plane towards the setting sun, fly west towards the mainland. But unfortunately, he was kind of taking them in completely the other, he was kind of taking them out to sea, uh, basically. So what what happened was they then scrambled um, like a couple of PBM mariners to uh, go and find them. And then 20 minutes later, one of those lost radio contact um, and vanished off radar. And was like, and was never, ever found. So like, and this what? was, this is, yeah, this is like proper Bermuda Triangle stuff. Now, <laughs> the, they, the next day, right, the Navy uh, dispatched over 300 boats, right, to try and find, to try and find these planes. Um, they spent five days searching and they covered more than 300 square miles, right? That's like half the size of France, Um to try and find something. And they literally, literally just vanished. Um, it's, it really, it's just, really freaks me out, this stuff.
2: It does. It's, it's, it's pretty scary in all honesty, isn't it? It's one of those things that you sort of never think could ever happen to you or something. And then it's like, hang on a sec. There's so many people that have just gone missing. There's so much of the world that we just don't know.
0: I know it's it, that's why this that's why I'm saying like the sea just just freaks me out. So so deep. I mean,
2: yeah. you know,
0: you don't <sighs> Yeah. monsters and they're fish. There definitely are. They definitely <laughs> are. I, that's why I don't like, honestly, I don't recommend if you ever kind of, um, I did have this very, very scary flight once from Hawaii to Fiji at night um, and going that direction is supposed to be a bit bumpy. You'll know this, Tom, being a commercial aviation uh, you know, <laughs> and a pilot yourself, it's um, notoriously bumpy and um, like I remember hitting an air pocket and like everyone sort of screaming and like seeing like the flight attendant sort of like literally with her head in their hands in the aisle and stuff like that and so that's kind of one of the reasons why i don't particularly like flying over um over over water it's just um just makes me feel a bit itchy but Mm. you know so um yeah probably probably any pacific routes i'll probably sort of pass on (laughs) i mean I
2: i just go to sleep and just pretend that i'm in bed somewhere you know doesn't yeah. really bother me but
0: well 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 <laughs> quite well uh, you know look on on that note, i've re- very much enjoyed talking about these little um the mysteries there are millions more it has to be said you know that mm. i'm sure there there probably is a reg- there probably is a historic aviation mysteries podcast out there yes. that is probably also um the 10th most popular aviation mystery podcast in holland uh who knows i don't
2: think <laughs> anyone can claim that amazing
1: no that's uh, after as that. an accolade we've got we to get to number that. 1 now number 1 have, yeah <laughs> come on we're coming for you, in Holland. Neverland, in the Netherlands, or Holland. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, look, you no, know, thanks, um, thanks for your time, uh, Tara, and you, Tom. Who knows? Yeah, you might get the call again to come back. I'll be. You're waiting You're clearly by the doing phone. well.
2: You're clearly doing yeah. well. So exactly. imagine that—the
0: third call. It will just, you know, <laughs> that's that's CV worthy when that happens. I'm just <laughs> part of that. No, uh, thanks very much for your time, and uh, thanks for listening. Uh, see you again at the same time next week. This has been a podcast from Key Aero, your aviation destination. Remember, visit www.key.aero for more of the same. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to catch up with you again soon.